Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Who's Talking, the podcast where we talk about all things Doctor Who. I'm Michael. And I'm Maggie. And this week we're going to be talking about the season finale of Doctor Who Flux, The Vanquishers. All hope is lost. The forces of darkness are in control. But when the monsters have won, who can you count on to save the universe? So Maggie, that was the last episode. That was! That was the finale! How did you, did you like it? I did. But I think because it's a finale, we have to sort of be a bit more nuanced than was it likable. So, Michael, I'm going to ask you, was it satisfying? So my answer here is nuanced, like you suggested it might be. I thought certain parts were parts that I wasn't expecting to be uh, satisfying. I thought ended up being satisfying and the parts that I was hoping would be more satisfying, I thought ended up not being so satisfying, which I know is super vague. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll explain that a little bit. All right. Last week, I, I talked a lot about how I didn't like the Sontarans coming back, right? Yes. I mean, you didn't like the Sontarans to begin with. Yeah. And I still stand by that. I still don't like the Sontarans. However, that plot line, I think, is the one that comes together the most cohesively and satisfyingly in the episode oh absolutely i think that comes together better than the swarm and azure plotline 100 percent. and then everything else is either dropped or wrapped up so quickly that it doesn't have any weight but how about you what are you, I, I assume you feel similarly that certain things worked and certain things didn't yeah i think i probably liked it a lot better than you did um, overall, I think I was satisfied with more, but I also was left with too many things that were, it's not that they weren't wrapped up, but they were wrapped up in a way that still left enough questions that I was like, that I was very, it was wrapped up in a neat little bow, but it still felt unfinished. Like you wrapped up the present and there was nothing inside. Yeah. I, that's what I meant by like, there's no weight to any of it. They, most of the, most of the stories end, like there's an ending, but you either have so many questions or there was just like not time to explore that ending that you're just like, oh, okay, guess that happened. So it is like wrap, uh, unwrapping a present, but there's nothing fun inside. And I mean, I know they do still have to leave a few things up in the air because they do have three more specials before Jody leaves, but... But that doesn't explain the, the stuff that clearly is meant to end here, feeling like you didn't explore it at all. But we'll, we'll get into that. I do want to say before we go on that it's not that I didn't like the episode. It was a good episode. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot more than I enjoyed watching last week's. Even though I gave last week's a higher rating than this week's, this week's only gets knocked down to where I put it, because it's a finale, and so it has more responsibilities. But I had, I compared it to Journey's End, uh, in that it's such a, like, kitchen sink finale, where there's too much going on, and and not enough time to really explore any of it, and so it requires a lot of suspension of disbelief to just sort of be willing to go with it. I think we really should have expected that, though, because... Of how many storylines were introduced in the season opener, they all have to be closed. Sure. 
And and I'm not faulting specifically the episode for that. I would fault the season for that. I would fault the writer for that. Well, that's what I mean. I But it's not a problem specific to this episode. No, definitely not. But that being said, when you I think when you compare this finale to the other two finales in this era, it's easily the best. Like without without a second thought, it's the one that is the most fun to watch and the one that comes closest to feeling like a story, even if some of it's really unsatisfying or anticlimactic. Like the the Timeless Children is just an exposition dump. It is. And I don't remember anything about the season 11 episode because it was just nothing. So I think this one is easily the best. And it's on par with a lot of the other episodes this season. I don't think this season has like a terrible episode. They're all pretty consistently good with the exception of episode four being like nearly perfect. That was a good episode. Episode four was really good. Those are the good old days. Two weeks ago. (laughs) But what does it say that our favorite episode of the season was the one that wasn't entirely written by Chibnall? I think it just means that it had a focus that the other episodes didn't, because that one also only had two and a half plot lines. Whereas every other episode, with maybe the exception of the first Sontaran episode, had half a dozen. Which which I think, that, that segues, I think, nicely into one of the things that I wanted to talk about, which is that and you mentioned this a couple of minutes ago of there just being too much going on. Yeah, I just because that was that was the big complaint when we started when we reviewed the first episode is we were talking about how there were so many things going on and it's not just hard to keep track of them all because at the end of the day we've been watching Doctor Who for years it's not that difficult to keep track of them all but it's just like why why do we have to? They don't feel there's not enough n- enough depth to them to give them purpose. So it they feel arbitrary. I will give this episode credit for somehow managing to combine almost all of them in oh, a way yeah, that definitely. felt fairly like natural and unforced. Like, I would say that the Swarm and Azure stuff still felt pretty separate to everything else. It did. But everything else came together, and that was really enjoyable. The problem is that so much of it just felt unneeded. Like, the only reason Joseph Williamson is there is because they needed his tunnels. Not because they had anything interesting to do with the character. Honestly, the only reason that that Bell and Vinder are there is because they needed Vinder to tell the Doctor where the passenger was. But that could have been given to anybody because they otherwise don't do anything that actually impacts the story. Yeah, Belle, Belle didn't actually need to be there except that she was there for Vinder. For Vinder to have a a plot. <laughs> Those are the two like most egregious examples for me. But there's still just lots of little things. Or, or, and the Grand Serpent. The Grand Serpent. I They make him out to be this like big bad guy. I don't know what he's I don't know what his purpose is. And the Santarans don't need him. They could have done what they did without him. Or or anybody else could have done it. Could have helped them get back into Earth or whatever. And then I hate to say this because I love Kate, but she didn't do anything either. She didn't need to be there, which is awful because in my heart I needed her to be there. Yeah, but she just is there instead of 
an active part of the story. And maybe that's partially because they had the, they did the, let's have a doctor in every plot line, which I thought was an absolute delight and a great way to have Jodie Whittaker actually do something. And lean back into those comedy skills that we were talking about. Yeah, but I think it does come at the cost of the other character's agency. It does. In that they don't do anything because the doctor is solving the problem. And it also has, you end up with moments of, oh, are you thinking of, yes, I am. And it's like, well, tell me, I'm not you. It's like, that's why we have companions. We have companions so that they are the audience proxy to you. Yeah, exactly. But that being said, I think one of the best things this episode does is the three doctor stuff. Yes. Like, it may, like, rob other characters of, of moments, but it's so fun that I don't care. I mean, I care a little bit, but I but while you're watching it, it's, like, hard to be mad about it. It is. They, they had a couple, like, little webisodes where, like, Matt Smith played himself in. I think there was at least one where he played two of himself. Yeah. But for the most part, we we don't really have instances where the Doctor interacts with themselves. I mean, there's Journey's End, where, but that that's technically a different character. It's that is just, technically a different character. It's just David Tennant again, which is one of the reasons why I said this episode has a very similar feeling, because there's multiple Doctors played by the same actor. I think it would have been fun if they had all flown the TARDIS together. That would have been fun. Or at the very least, if, like... The three doctors and Yaz flew the TARDIS. And Vinder, because Vinder really wanted to fly the TARDIS. Let him let him fly it. But we still don't know where Vinder comes from or, like, anything about him. They, like, built all this mystery into him and his past, and it's just there now. And we don't have any answers. And all of those theories that people were spitting out, oh, maybe Vinder is a regeneration of the doctor. Maybe Vinder is another time Lord and he's Rassilon and this is the time Lord Academy. And, or maybe Vinder works for division. Nothing was ever confirmed. I have two things to say. One of them was just inspired by what you said. And that's, I had thought, I don't know if I said it last week, but I thought there was a chance the grand serpent could have been a division agent, which would have made him feel a lot more relevant in the, plotting the destruction of earth thing so there's that but also i i I had i did a rewatch saturday of the first five episodes um partially because i needed to refresh myself on exactly what had happened and partially because i wanted to see if they played any better as a binge and i as much as i love weekly doctor who i think it was a mistake to release this season weekly because there's too much time to overanalyze everything. And that's not really the fan's fault, right? But when you've written a story that ends up being as simple as the one they told, like there there aren't really any twists. Everything is pretty much as you were told. You sort of invite disappointment by giving that amount of time for people to theorize. I think WandaVision had a similar issue with, with the Evan Peters stuff. Where there was so much time to theorize about who he was that when you find out he's nobody, it's super disappointing. Whereas if you're able to sit there and just watch it straight through, you don't have that problem. You're just in the moment the whole time. And so for me, watching Flux straight through, say for the finale, because I didn't feel like doing another rewatch that quick, was just a way more enjoyable experience. It was a long, like, five hours. 
but it was like the stuff that annoyed me didn't annoy me as much because it hadn't been weeks. It had just been like an hour, you know, I don't know if that quite makes sense, but, and I don't say, I don't say that to say that I want the season to be over quicker. It's just, they wrote a story that seems like it was meant to be watched in one sitting and splitting it up into six part, like, and then stretching it out over six weeks to me, maybe made it worse like like a, like a worse watch. And I think a number of shows have had that issue before. It's why I don't think Netflix should ever shift to a weekly thing because they write their shows like 10-hour movies. So you need to watch them like that or you're going to be disappointed. Because it doesn't matter when you're watching it as a binge, it doesn't matter if an episode has like an accomplished objective because the story just continues. Which I think is interesting on like long-running shows that have a set structure when they do try to introduce big narrative arcs. I think Torchwood had the right idea when they did Children of Earth. They aired an episode a day for a week. It was, it was, so it was, it was five days and each night you got a new episode. So there's enough time in between them for you to sort of theorize a little bit and for, you know, there to be lots of news articles and, and publicity, but not enough time for you to like feel that length it's like a half binge because you're never waiting too long to find out the answer and the answer is usually fairly simple because that story was fairly straightforward all things considered it was it wasn't a story that was built on twists it was a story that was built on these characters figuring out what's going on you find out early on that like oh these aliens want this and this and this and then it's less about getting big answers and more about saving the day which i think ultimately is what Flux was trying to do. It just didn't quite get there. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I have personally complained about with television just as a whole in the last maybe five years is that it's built on the backs of this mentality that you have to have plot twists that come out of nowhere and grab you out of your seat and chuck you across the room as opposed to you know, grab you out of your seat and make you clap because you're like, oh my gosh, how did I not see that one coming? Because this, that, and the other thing all makes sense now. Um, so I did like that it was as simple as it was. So we don't, you don't need to deceive the audience in order to tell a good story. I agree. I, I just wish that that simplicity had come with added extra character stakes. Yes. So I, I think that, t- I, I think all of this kind of ties into it, a feeling that I have that Chibnall is afraid to let the show breathe. There, there, There's no time for there to be, like, real moments of emotion between any given pairing or grouping of characters because it's always so quick to the next thing. And there were so many moments where they could and they should have expanded on that. Um, so just a quick trigger warning, we are about to start talking about trauma, uh, in particular uh, child abuse. And if that is something that is triggering for you, please feel free to click away from this podcast. Uh, but we will have some links in the description uh, for resources if you need them. I mean, we were talking a few episodes ago about just the capacity to have this great storyline in terms of 
mental health and trauma and dealing with all that. And they just ultimately didn't. And I understand that it is supposed to be a family show, so you can't really go too in-depth with the trauma of everything the doctor... All that super dark stuff. Yes. Um, But also, if you're going to make that a part of the character... You owe it to go into it to some degree. Yeah, you're, you have to you have to pay off what you set up. For me, for a season that seemed to be all about the Doctor having this quest of self-discovery and like looking for her memories, none of that matters this episode. She doesn't even seem that upset when Swarm and Azure are taunting her in the Fob Watch, I guess, with the weird house that's an amalgamation of her memories or something. Her, her ultimate decision to not uh, open the fob watch just doesn't have any weight because it there's no time spent with it. There doesn't seem to be any effect on her, what either direction. Which I think sort of plays into why it's better as a week-to-week than a binge because it allows you to... If you have the whole week to sit there and ruminate about the fact that the doctor is sitting there facing her abuser and she is facing a woman who not only abused her for years but robbed her of the chance to ever come to terms with that because she took the memories of that away you know that's the sort of thing that you can sit with that weight and you can feel that and it grows over the week as opposed to if you're just watching it all at once It's just a thing that happens, bing, bang, boom. The doctor decides that she is not going to keep her memories. Yeah, she's not going to get her memories back, and we move on. See, I I get what you're saying, but I, I, I feel that if the story itself doesn't actually do that work, and this one doesn't, that's all stuff that the audience has brought with it, like brought into the story, and it's the story's job to actually explore the characters, which is why I think that the, the weak gaps set you up for an expectation you're not going to get. Because you spend the whole week thinking about all of the different ways that this would theoretically impact a character, and then the show doesn't do anything with it. So you're let down by that. At least that's how I felt. No, you're right. Because I, ex- I expected something and got nothing. Especially since, well, I just felt like they built that and built that and built that. And we're sitting there waiting for the shoe to drop. And the shoe doesn't drop because the other guys come in and just kill her. I also don't agree with the choice to rob the doctor of the opportunity to... Obviously, the doctor is not going to kill anybody. Sure. Because that's not who the doctor is. But she could have had a proper confrontation and maybe some kind of a... A resolution. Some sort of punishment could have. Yeah, she could have had justice in the way that she saw fit, as opposed to somebody else just coming in and knocking her off. Exactly. She has once again they robbed the doctor of the agency in her own story. She had no agency when the master told her all of this, and then when it actually comes to her being able to make a decision about how she wants to cope with with all of this newfound trauma, 
she doesn't get the chance to make that decision. Somebody else makes it for her. Which I think that is, that's not necessarily a Chibnall specific issue. That is an issue that I think a lot of science fiction has because a lot of science fiction does try to be very plot driven as opposed to character driven. Yeah. But as we've said, what makes, what has made some of the other seasons so great has been just the moments where you do get to sit down and do character driven stuff as opposed to the plot driven stuff. And we keep saying that and they keep doing the plot driven stuff. So I guess it's just something that we're just going to, it's just not going to change until the, the showrunner switch. Unless Russell T. Davies is coming at this from a very new approach. Shifting away from the future. Let's talk about the episode that we are here to talk about. I know it was disappointing, but we owe it to talk about. It wasn't disappointing. It just was, there's too much in the air. So I don't feel like I can be disappointed yet because I don't have the answers necessary to get the disappointment. <laughs> I will be disappointed about Swarm and Azure, though, because they no, felt absolutely. like such a waste. It, they are such interesting, like, ideas for characters that then never went anywhere. No, we never really got the backstory of... Again, one scene does not a character arc make. Yeah, why did why do they hate the Doctor and all of Division, aside from... That they they're on captured, opposite sides. When they captured her, which I guess is the motivation for all of this. But why did they capture her? Yeah, like, why Why did the... What did they do, aside from take over Atropos once? And, like, why do they worship time the way that they do? Is there a whole cult of people who worship time like that? The way that the Time Lords clearly worship space to the point where they constrain time in that effect? Which... I think they kind of uh, schmeinsed the heck out of that. They just sort of went, okay, these words sound nice together. <laughs> and we're just going to throw it to the wall and hope it sticks. I don't think that they really accurately came to a definitive conclusion with how space and time are separate entities and time is sort of its own god i'm very confused about time is the implication that it's supposed to be like a trapped elder god or is it a sentient force or is there even a difference between those two ideas see i was thinking no i was thinking eldritch god but sentient force like something sort of like the speed force and the flash tv show also makes a lot of sense i think that ultimately what ended up happening was you didn't have a lot of purpose for Swarm and Azure because you're so focused on all of these other things and they're still fixing the timeless child bit that they're there for the purpose of bringing the passenger in so that somebody else can figure out how to save the day. I just, do you remember when we, at the beginning of this season, when we thought that kind of the big thing that Swarm and Azure were going to do was be a conduit for the doctor to learn more about her past? Yes. And and they were to the extent of they handed her the instrument to do so. When, and we got the one adventure with the fugitive doctor of capturing them. But it's like, if they're going to kill Tectaeun, then what do they have to offer for what appeared to be the main emotional through line? Which was the doctor and her memories, right? And they have nothing to offer there. Nothing. Aside from that they existed in the doctor's memories. 
But without that, then their purpose feels, they don't, it doesn't feel like they have a purpose, which I no. think is true for a lot of other things where when the season is so, seems to be so specifically focused on one objective and then most of it doesn't actually connect to that objective. It, it all feels like, what was the point of any of this? We didn't, she didn't learn anything. We didn't learn anything. They stopped the flux fairly easily. And to an extent, we get that with the really wonderful bits of this season, which, again, goes back to the characters. But we have this whole emotional beat where Carvanista was the doctor's companion. And felt completely abandoned by her when she left the division. But can't ever do anything about it because he's got a chip in his head that's going to kill him if he ever talks about it. And they don't do anything with that. Like, the doctor doesn't even for a second think, can I remove it? That's the first thing I would do. Yeah. And she's the doctor. Like, she has... I mean, I understand the Sonic probably isn't going to work on division technology, but, like, the fact that she doesn't even think to try is what is, like, does this revelation just not matter? Also, she's friends with medical professionals. Like, we've seen... Call up Martha Jones. She knows the cat doctor people from New Earth. Why? She could have called them. Like, there's just... She could have had a reaction. And she's kind of just blank-faced. I mean, and to the extent I do understand being blank-faced at that point, I think I would just sort of... I would just be like, okay, that's new information. We're going to roll with it because everything else is happening too. Sure. I I just feel like there could have even just been a beat for her to have been like, she didn't even, like, say, I'm sorry. No. Which, I mean, wouldn't have meant anything, but it would have been something. It, it would have been nice to have some sort of indication that she, like, we saw her feel, we could tell she felt bad, but she didn't feel, there wasn't this drive to solve the problem. Like, okay, we'll come back to that later. I'm sure I had a good reason for abandoning you. She didn't even have to say it. She could just show that in some respect with her actions and i feel like carvanista just kind of disappears after that yeah until they ship him off with bell and vinder which i mean so i have two thoughts both connected thought one is maybe we shouldn't have expected any different from the doctor because how many companions has she just left abandoned over the years so maybe that's a character trait is that she just does this which is interesting because that depends on your philosophy of how personalities are, if they are a product built on memories or if they are something that we are born with. And then my second thought is that it almost felt like, so by the end of the episode, we learned that Carvanista is now the last of his species because the entirety of the Lupari race were killed off screen by, by Santarans. I was fully expecting the Santarans to just have lied about that. And the Lupari were still alive, and then they weren't. He is now the last of his species, and she has gifted him companions of his own. Is she kind of trying to turn him into a proto-doctor, like another doctor? Is that her way of... Like apologizing of... Yeah. Of, well, here. And he even kind of calls her out on this, like, these these can't replace what I've lost. It's not exactly what he says, but I'm paraphrasing. No, but it is. He does call her out on it. And 
if that is her way of trying to make amends, I just sort of wish maybe, I don't need them to spell it out, but like a little bit of connective tissue, a little bit more connective tissue maybe would have been appreciated. I think the problem that we're having ultimately is that we've been given a show that does so much telling and not showing that when they finally stop telling, they're not good enough about the showing yet that we are able to, as an audience, get all of the nuances of the picture that they want us to see. It's it's sort of like we said, was it last week, where they're just skipping from point A to point B without showing the journey between the points. And so we ha- we kind of just have to fill in the blank of like the emotion between the points of, of, of all of this. And that, I mean, that even goes to, that goes to like every character. Yaz and Dan have an entire three years off screen and they're now, I mean, Dan respects her so much that he's talking about how she's the genius behind all their plans and which is really nice, but it's like, it would have been nice to see that develop. I mean, even Diane had, like, an entire freaking journey where she learned all about life in the passenger and how to defeat the passenger. It's like, okay, she comes out the side a whole changed woman, and it's like, cool, I only knew you for two minutes beforehand. Diane's entire arc is so weird to me. You know, she appears in, what, four episodes, but two of them extremely briefly, I mean, all of them extremely briefly, but two of them particularly so. And at no point before tonight, before it, does, it didn't seem at all before this finale that she blamed Dan for any of this until the moment she said she blames him for it. There's that. And then there's, why is she the only one left alive? They, there's this whole thing that Swarm and Azure say about how much fun they're going to have with her and toying with her, but they don't seem to. Every Everything we've told that she's experienced has just been a natural effect of the passenger as opposed to anything that the villains did. And so I, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, there's just no, like, logic behind what we've been told. I think unless there's some big revelation that is going to happen about Swarm and Azure and them setting up some big thing and Diane isn't who she appears to be and all that. Which, again, I don't think is necessarily going to happen based on the way that Chibnall has structured a rather simplistic through line here. Unless we get something like that, what they've done is very confusing. And the choices they've made have just sort of set it up solely so that Dan would have a reason to travel with the Doctor. Which is dumb, because he doesn't need to choose between love and the Doctor, or even friendship, if they just stay friends and don't try the thing romantically. Because we've seen companions have lives before. We saw that with Bill, we saw that with Clara. We know that it is a thing that companions can do. They can just show up, hop in the time machine, go back, go about their lives, show up. And I don't even want to, I'm not even inherently against the idea of Diane blaming Dan for this. That could be an interesting way to go. 
Well, it could have been if they'd given us any precedent for it. Yeah, it, we're on the exact same page of it's just, it comes out of nowhere. And you're like, wait, but... Like, it comes out of nowhere to the extent of they have this adorable reunion hug where he picks her up and spins her around. And you're just like, oh my god, this is everything I wanted. And then she's just like, you were late. Which wouldn't have been weird if it had been set up, I guess is what I'm saying. It wouldn't have been. But it feels weird when it comes out of nowhere... Because they've just played it as this happy reunion, except it's not. It feels like with the rejection of Diane, he doesn't have any ties to his life. And I think that they did that so that he would be able to go off and travel with the Doctor. But they are going to get rid of him at the end of the Century special because... John Bishop's got too busy a career as a touring artist or a touring comedian. So how are they going to get him back to earth they're either gonna have to kill dan which again no thank you or they're going to have to have diane show up and be like oh yeah i changed my mind i just it's it's such unnecessary like you were saying it's it's an unnecessary thing and it's only needed because the season was structured in such a way that dan and the doctor have not spent enough time together for there to be a compelling reason for him to go that direction. Like, he's been on one adventure with the Doctor that resulted in the near destruction of the universe, him being trapped in the past for three years, all of these terrible things happening. Why on earth would he want to travel with her? Not to mention somebody that he traveled with for three years died because of her. Yeah. So at the end of the day... He's Yaz's companion. He's not the Doctor's yeah. companion. He's there for Yaz. And you know what? I'm here for that friendship. They have... Mandip Gill has turned into such a funny... Like, she's so good at comedy. And also just the drama. Like, between her and Jody, I've just been so floored with the acting this season. Like, I just... So... Imp- and that's not to say that the acting was bad in previous seasons. It's just that this season gave them a bigger range of because they already had wonderful acting choices. It gave them a bigger range of wonderful acting choices to make. So we got to see like the further ends of that range. And I, and I think that's largely due to having, I mean, I know we're complaining that there's like way too many characters, but they are like the primary supporting cast. And now there's one less than there previously was, you know, there, there was Yaz, Ryan and Graham, and there was just never time to evenly develop any of them. And I think just, you know, narrowing it down just to the two and then actually giving them something to do gave the actors the opportunity to show a range that maybe they weren't given when they were always with the doctor and and kind of just acting as the question askers. And I'm kind of sad that we don't get another full season of... Dan and Yaz and the Doctor, because I think that everything that they've established and everything that they've established that they can do actor-wise as well as character-wise, you could have a whole season exploring this. And it wouldn't get old. It wouldn't get stale. I'm just saying, those those three specials have got a lot of making up to do in terms of just giving me that that dynamic I want of the three of them. Because I feel like we were largely robbed of that with this season. 
We were. We didn't get Dan and Yaz and the Doctor. We got Yaz and the Doctor or Yaz and Dan. So speaking of Yaz and Dan and the Doctor, there's this really nice moment at the end where Yaz and the Doctor finally get to sort of reconcile after what's been a fairly uh, rocky season for them on a an interpersonal level. And then, of course, Dan comes in and ruins the moment. And I just... I thought it was a nice moment. And it's, and like, to be fair, Dan coming in and ruining it is very funny and, and felt so in character. Oh, absolutely. I mean, whether or not it was meant to be a classic rom-com trope or whether it was just, okay, let's break up the tension with a little levity. I just wish there'd been, and I mean, and I guess this isn't something we need to see, right? But I would have liked maybe just a little bit more of the doctor actually telling her what's going on. Like, I would have maybe liked him to have interrupted slightly later. But I guess, but I also, like, I I am willing to concede that perhaps that's not something we need to see because it would just be repeating information that we already know. I'm just feeling like maybe it was a little too easy of a forgiveness. That there's not, there's no, like, tension. I don't think I necessarily agree with you on that one. I don't think that I saw it as immediate forgiveness. I thought it was a sort of, okay, I'm, we will take this opportunity to try and further work it out. And we've, we're establishing right now that we both want to because we both care about each other so much. And also it has been three years for Yaz. That's fair. But then again, I, I, I don't know. It's, it comes down to the Kind of a general lack of consistency developing the, the 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 character arcs for me, I guess. Where it's it would have been nice to see some of these harder moments have more of a lasting impact. Like they have that big like moment in Once Upon Time where the Doctor just tells her off, right? And then it's basically forgotten by the next episode. That's true, and I think unfortunately that's something. You'd think with a, ser- a season finale, that would be something that would be solved. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that is something that we're really going to see until maybe the special in the spring, because they're not going to have enough time to do that with with the New Year special. Because we already we already know, based on the promo for the New Year special, that they're going to have two guest characters in addition to the two companions, in addition to the Doctor. And a Dalek. And a Dalek. Multiple Daleks, I think, actually. And what was with that? The um, the little master tease at the end. I'm guessing he's going to appear in the, the final special, and they're just trying to pull one of those, like, Tenth Doctor things where the death is teased over multiple specials. Like, like remember they did the... He will knock four times. Oh, and then the Ood were, like, trying to find him so they could sing his song or whatever. So I'm guessing they're doing something like that, and it's a big setup for him appearing in the the next year's centenary special. Which, like, okay, whatever, but like, why why waste times two minutes of screen time setting up the master coming back, a villain we all assumed would probably come back, especially when we know so little about time and time's motivations as it is, like. Why not set time up as the villain that's going to come back? Where it, that doesn't really seem like what they've done. They're like, something's going to happen to you, and there's going to the master of the forces that are fighting to, gathering to fight you, or whatever he says. So it's like, is the master 
gonna like gather together an army of all her villains to take her down which i mean honestly that'd be a good special so like i'm here for it well they sort of did that already with the 11th doctor yeah but they didn't have the master in charge of it that's true maggie i just like the master i know you do (laughs) so i'm okay with them repeating it again i think that they need to bring the master back i don't want to end this on a downer because the 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 new year special looks really fun it does look fun which is interesting because usually i'm not excited about the daleks in the new year special because there's always daleks in the new year special it's not it's no longer special but it feels it feels right i think it's it's the the time loop maybe and i'm speaking for myself the time loop is what gets me interested because time loop stories are always really fun I mean, we've talked about how time loops are my favorite trope yeah. of all time. So it's less, I don't care about the Daleks per se. Although I do like that this one seems to have like a machine gun, like a rotating machine gun arm, which is like, why has nobody done that before? That's a great idea for a Dalek. But I just love the idea of of them being trapped with a Dalek in a time loop scenario. And I like the idea of the outsider perspective that we're going to get with these two other characters i i am curious though considering one of the numerous uh dropped storylines is that there's something wrong with the tardis maybe you know and, and it's as we've learned it's quite dangerous to speculate oh yes could the tardis being broken be what causes this time loop I was, see, I just sort of assumed that it was going to end up having serious tie-ins with the Doctor's regeneration and how time promised that this would be the last regeneration and she wouldn't be able to regenerate again. And I'm sure it will, but I'm wondering if this is an early effect, you Oh. It wouldn't be solved in this episode, but it would be the reason why this is happening. I hope so, because they dropped that so quickly, I don't think most people are going to remember that that was a thing. And But I also think it could... It could give a structure to the specials in that what if the TARDIS malfunctioning is a problem in all of them? And that's the thing that unites them as that's the arc. I, I put arc in quotation marks because I, I wouldn't call that an arc. But that's the, the through line that connects what appear to be three disconnected stories in, in a way that is not particularly serialized. Like you don't have to have seen the Dalek one to see the spring one. But the thing that connects them is the TARDIS potentially breaking down. It's a simple thing that's in the background, but it's enough where you're like, hmm, I wonder what comes of that. It's going to be exciting either way. Yeah. As much as I just said that I really wanted it to be connected, I'm also so excited as a self-contained story, Maggie. I could not be happier. It's so nice. It's going to be like the David Tennant specials all over again. Although I had... Because you were able to have, like, mixed feelings about episode to episode with that one. You didn't have to have connectivity in your emotions. I don't have to wait six weeks and and hope and pray that the ending is good. Yeah, we don't need a beginning, a middle, a cliffhanger, a beginning, then an end. Yeah, we can just get a beginning, a middle, and an end, and probably some kind of tiny tease that, you know, sends you forward. Because those are always fun. I'm cool with those. It'll be fun, and I'm, I'm excited to launch into the specials, and as much as I am sad to be done with this season, that does, that does it for this season of both Doctor Who and Who's Talking. 
we sincerely hope that you guys will all join us in January when we will be breaking down the New Year's special Eve of the Daleks. Thank you all for listening, whether you listened to just this episode or whether you listened to all of them. I hope you guys have a great day and happy holidays.